welcome to Signs, Cosines, and Tangents. Tangents. What yeah. What? This is like episode, what, 30? 3-0. It's our third, 10th anniversary. Yes. Because I can do math. We've made tens of episodes. Tens of, yes. Several tens. A handful of tens. <laughs> no. Yeah, I guess. Maybe. I don't know. Handful's not a very precise measure. Yeah. People's hands are different sizes, man. That's true. Two stones in the hand are better than... A bird in the bush. bird in the bush. Yeah, that doesn't make any sense. Two birds... One bird in the hand is better than two in the... What does that mean? I don't know what... I don't even know what you're talking about. Two birds with one stone. But are those the same two birds that were in the bush? A bird in hand is pointless. So let's go on to our tangents. <laughs> we have tangents. We do. Tangentially hey. speaking. Here hey. we go. Something that you and I both like and agree in liking. Hold on. This is not possible. This is possible. That Nintendo is wasting our this time? This is not Nintendo related. Oh, okay. This is something I like that's not Nintendo. That's probably the... Uh, Mega Man? It's not Capcom. <laughs> it's the um, other one. Oh. That oh. used to mean something. The one that actually does mean something because it's gotten a lot of game releases lately that are just re-releases. Yeah. That I'm really good what at. What we're talking about is Castlevania, the Netflix series. Which, you know, if... If you're a fan of Castlevania, you've already watched all the episodes and, and we don't need to talk about it. But if you haven't, you should. Because has, has everybody watched this already? I have. You and I have, obviously. I watched it the day they were released. Like, within six hours, I had watched everything. And I watched them pretty short after. Um, did we talk about season one? I think we did. We talked about how short it was because it was only six It was six really episodes. short. This totally pays off that short season. Yeah. Yeah, so, first, yeah. what did you think? I loved it. I, I mean, and there there are some emotional callbacks. There are also some changes that we can talk specifically about. Um, the thing that I liked about this back half of season one, which they're calling season two, was that it kind of paid off a lot of the setup in the first six episodes. Which the first six episodes were all set up. That's all they were. There was no plot advancement in those episodes. It was very character driven. Um, and it still is at the second half. Yeah. Right. And we get to spend more time with our protagonists, but there are at least, I think there's one episode where either they don't appear or they're like just sitting in a library talking to each other. I think it's multiple episodes. Well, they're in the library for several, several episodes. Right. Which we won't spoil where the library is or why they're there. But, um, one thing I thought was really interesting is so you've got this really strong core cast of three characters with, you know, Alucard and uh, which Belmont is. My brain is going blank. It's Trevor. Trevor. That's right. And and then his future wife. Saifa. Spoiler. Um, that's if you're a Castlevania fan, you kind of know if you're not. What I would recommend is this show is really good. It's entertaining from a non-video game standpoint. Yeah, it's a it's, it's a, a good, good story, fantasy animated horror show, and very gory. It's very gory. It's it's very animated. Yeah, but um, if you know who Dracula is, which you may or may not be familiar with that character, the Wallachian um, Prince. Yes, Vlad okay. 
tepish. Um, hmm. um, I think this would be in some people's wheelhouses, even if they haven't played the video games. But if you have, there are some characters that come to the light in these episodes. Yeah. That are very unexpected. That are very... They're kind of deep cuts. They're deep cuts. Um, and, and the two of them that we're talking about are the two human generals of Dracula, Hector and Isaac. Now, don't be too much of a purist when you look at the two characters compared to how they were portrayed in the original video games. Um, they've taken a little bit different spin on this. And the the kind of vampire nation thing gets played up that doesn't... I don't rem- recall that being a real issue in the games. No. The, That's all made up for this. Yeah, there was no... Dracula's in charge of all the vampires sort of hierarchy. Yeah. I mean, it was kind of assumed, but it wasn't like he had control over all all the world. Like, there's a... What is Godbrand? Where's he from? Is he... He was... Um, Scandinavian? Yeah, he was a Viking. He's a Viking vampire. There's a Japanese vampire. There's all nationalities of all vampires. All these clans, and it kind of reminds me of Underworld. Yeah, a little bit. Um, but... Anyway, so we get a lot of focus on Hector and Isaac. And one of them is kind of a sad character and and you get a you you really empathize with him. They're both kind of tragic characters. Yeah, a little bit. And and they're the only human generals in Dracula's army. Yeah, the entire army's monsters, vampires. Because as humans, they have the ability to do something none of the vampires can do, which is craft runic weapons. Hey! It has been a few episodes. Yes. Everybody welcome our guest. Sump Pump. Sump Pump. Uh, Sump Pump, how are you doing tonight? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, the quality of our episodes. Um, Anyhow. This is why we need a new studio. We're working on that. Um, So, no, we have two humans that have joined Dracula's army willingly. Willingly and voluntarily. And they have willingly committed to committing genocide of the humans. Well, one has. Yeah, one's a little different. The one has expectations and doesn't kind of read the room of what's going on. He gets on. manipulated pretty badly. Yeah. And he gets I, think, his... I think that's what's really good about this story. Is they're, they're, They've got real motivations. Mm-hmm. And it really plays in the whole... They did this with the season one, but they really played on this more too, but... You know, every villain is the hero of their own story. Yeah. You know, they all have their kind of motivations for what they're doing. Well, and remember, this was originally scripted by Grant Morrison. Right. So this is a really good writer taking these kind of paper characters out of a video game and giving them some gravitas. Yeah. And and some internal story. And we get to see the backstory for these two characters. Um, and, and it doesn't actually detract, I don't think, from the main trio at all. No. It, no, I think it adds, everything adds. It, you have real characters and forces behind both sides. Mm-hmm. In the video game, it's like, you're the good guy. You have a whip that kills the bad guy. No, look, there's a skeleton. There's an armor. Yeah. You know, there's a Medusa head that's going to make you very And it wasn't, irritated. even in the original series, they didn't really add any deep story until no. the uh, it wasn't until Symphony Lords of, of Shadow. And Lord, well, Lords of Shadow did, but Symphony of the Night, you started to get story. And all the GBA games that yeah. were set in the future had yeah. story. They're very basic, cliched. Well, Konami's not exactly known for no. their deep storytelling. 
Anyhow, uh, but then there's one moment in there's the two animals. moments. Well, there's yes, there the are whole two. the whole last episode or last episodes, like you said, they did a really good job of build up and payoff with this yeah. season. But uh, when they go to battle Dracula's army at his castle, they kind of confront his army. Um, well, and, it's two vampire armies, but yeah, because the main heroes are just trying to escape. Because they're overwhelmed and there's way too many bad guys yeah. running around. Uh, which, again, makes perfect sense, right? It's three human beings. Well, it's two humans and a half-human, a Dampier. Um And then there's this one scene where it just goes quiet for a second. And you get this dramatic dialogue and this fight scene. And then all of a sudden, Bloody Tears starts playing in the show. And you're like... If you're a Castlevania fan, that is the song that says this is not only that the action and the what the characters are doing. The battle is just so good. It is. You see them fighting and it's the fight scenes in all of the show were great, especially Mm -hmm. with Trevor Um, Alucard. Oh, perfect depiction of Alucard. And again, there's pathos in what he's doing and why he's doing it. Yeah. He's not just going to go kill his father because he's evil. There's, there's a story behind it. And there's a scene near the end of the episode where he confronts Dracula in his bedroom as childhood bedroom. And there's a whole conversation that happens in there that completely changes the character without ruining anything. That that's the scene where I was like that ending and even the epilogue was mm-hmm. really where I was like, okay, th- they're doing something here that's really, really good. Now it'll be three more years till we get six more episodes. Because Hopefully they have confirmed not. a season, quote unquote, three. Well, and because of this, they've now greenlit the Devil May Cry animated Yeah, series. Adi Shankar is a very weird dude. He's I don't know very if you've weird. seen any interviews with him. I yeah. think he's like, he's an auteur. So he is. He doesn't want to appear like he can have a conversation with human beings and stuff. I've seen him on a, when he was doing a press tours and he was on some of the geek and sundry shows and you know, he just, he doesn't interview well. Although I read a text interview with him that was actually pretty good. It was, they were talking about the evolution of the series. Maybe and... he's just one of those guys who doesn't like being in front of the camera. Probably. Um, but I still feel like but, it's an affectation. I think he's playing a game. I think he's playing. Yeah. I think he's playing a character of him, or character of himself. Yeah. So let's move on, Sean. Sure. Next one's yours. Next one is mine. And I put this on here because it's a, another series that is near and dear to my heart. And it's on a platform that made Jared's day because he bought it week two. Wait, he buys everything day one when it comes out for the switch. What happened? What? What do you mean? I bought it week two. You bought Diablo 3, like, yesterday, didn't you? Yeah. Okay. So yeah. that's, like, three weeks after it was released. Yeah, it was like I wasn't going to buy it. <laughs> was there a doubt? So is that you saying that you really weren't in a hurry to get it because it's just a game you already have twice? It's a game I've already played multiple times. And but Diablo is one of those games that you can play forever. It's an evergreen game. I mean, it's like Skyrim. It is. And, and Except it's not on every platform. <laughs> It was pretty close these days. Pretty close. And we'll talk more about that a little bit later in the show. Diablo came the Switch, which, fine, great, happy. It is it's, good. And, it's and visually, good, it's not a bad game. It's a good it's, choice for the yeah. Switch, especially because they added local 
wireless multiplayer, offline multiplayer. So you don't have to have the which not Nintendo a lot of people online. are talking about, but you can play four player Diablo on your common bus trips that you're taking to Tucson, Arizona. I know, I know, you do that all the time, Sean. It's been um, a few years, but I but, have been know, known to take bus trips. The to next be- bus trip that we go on, we should play Diablo. Um, no, more importantly, and I don't know who this. Well, we know who it's for. They're making an amiibo for this game. This they is made like, one. This is like the Dark Souls amiibo. <laughs> yeah. What is it going to do? I mean, what does it do in the game? So he, is it here's cosmetic? an irony for you. When I got my copy, I took my Dark Souls amiibo and I put it on the, the sensor to see what it would do. Do you know what the amiibos do when you use them? No. It spawns a boss character. <laughs> the exact opposite of what amiibos do in other games. Exactly. It's actually <laughs> useful. You get it like an elite or a champion. It spawns them right there in front of you. Okay. Do you get loot from that? You get loot from it because it's Diablo and everything drops loot. Everything is loot. Yeah. Loot so, life. Yeah. So the game's out, but the amiibo didn't come out. It comes out in December? It's weird that they wouldn't sync. I think it was a last minute decision. If I had to guess. Well, in the amiibo that was announced, we think there's going to be more, but the one that they did announce at this point was a GameStop exclusive. Yeah. Again. Again. And it's a treasure goblin. And it doesn't look like the treasure goblins in the game. It's got a cartoony look to it, which I thought was weird. I thought it looked like it. No, it's it's more kind of Legend of Zelda-ish. Hmm. But we'll see when we actually get it in hand, because I think both of us purchased it. So. Yes. Come on, it's Diablo, it's Nintendo, and there's an Amiibo. Sorry, Diablo is one of my favorite Blizzard series. I love it. Um, I've played... Even when I... Pl- I've played the originals on the pc sean when i played pc games played them multiple when times when he played pc games when you know what we didn't put on the list we'll have to talk about what? probably next month or next week the okay. new fallout game yeah we'll talk about that next time yeah so next up on our list of nostalgia games that have already been released bait um yeah. the playstation classic yeah. Meh. 20 games and they didn't even include Sean's favorite game <laughs> Castlevania. No, Symphony of the Night's not on there. Why? It's such a weird list. Well, and and a game that's been released 17 times is on there. Which yeah. is Final Fantasy 7. Yep. It's been released on everything. Well, I think if if you're making a PlayStation classic, I that, want as Final we- Fantasy 9. Listen, listen, listen on that. Please listen. Or 12. If you're going to make it the classic, right? It should be the iconic games that defined the system. So when we had the NES classic, we had the Mario's, we had the mm-hmm. Zelda's, we had the, you know, the Tetris. We're Son of the Enders. Yeah. There's, I don't know if that's a defining game, <laughs> but you do have Metal Gear Solid. You yeah. do have Final Fantasy VII, which is a defining game of the PlayStation era. Um, you don't have Grand Turismo on there. You don't have um, Symphony of the Night. Although you don't have Ridge Racer. <laughs> wow, that's a, that's a deep cut. There's right a lot there. of games that kind of define the PlayStation, and they kind of there's. I mean, there, there was a whole era of Square Enix video or RPGs on the PlayStation, just like they were on the Nintendo. Mm-hmm. I think the the SNES Classic had at least. Two or three RPGs on. How it. many? Uh, well, it doesn't have Crash. It doesn't. Yeah, it doesn't even have Crash Bandicoot, which was the system seller. 
Yeah. The mascot. He was well, the mascot. Well, because they don't own Crash anymore. Right. So. Well, and he's already has a release out, of too. Of all those games all over. I mean, it's him. kind of hard when you are no releasing spy- these. Was there a Spyro? There's a Spyro collection already out, too. No, no. I oh, mean, on, on the, the thing? classic. Because that's another defining game. I don't know. Um, while I look that up. So when we talk about Nintendo, Nintendo's got a a little bit of a different problem because there is no virtual console. So, hey, when they release the games on the classics, there's no way to get it right now. Um, Well, not legally. And they are going after the ROM ROM sites actively now. Yeah, they've already taken down several. Um, But yeah, and, and not only that, the PlayStation Classic is like $100. It's like $99 or $90. Right. What the heck? I mean, well, those licensing costs are pretty high. I'm sure they are. Here's here's the official list. Tekken 3 is on there. Uh, Ridge Racer Type 4 is on there. Not the original Ridge Racer, which is actually. Type 4. Resident Evil is on there. Um, Intelligent Cube, which I think is a great game, is on there. Um, Jumping Flash. Jumping like, Flash is eh, it's a shooter. Eh, I mean, uh Twisted Metal's on there, which is a good choice. Um, Destruction Derby. I've never even heard of that one. Uh, Is Rock and Roll Racing on it? Oh, wait, that was a Super Nintendo No. Parasite Eve's on it, so there's another RPG. Okay, that's a good game. Um, And Saga Frontier. So there are a couple RPGs on it. Oh, no, those are Japan exclusives. Oh, okay. We didn't get those. Never mind. (laughs) Armored Core, Japan exclusive. Armored Core is another good game. Gradius Gaiden. Japan exclusive. Hold on. Keep telling me these good games, and then they're not on our version. Nope. We got Destruction Derby, uh, Cool Borders Two. I'm sure that's a great game. Uh, Odd World is Jet Moto on there at least? Nope. That's another system defining game. Nope. Persona, Revelation Persona, Persona, which I actually still have on disc. So, yeah, the list is kind of anemic. It is, and it's 20 games. Why are we? Why are we setting the the NES Classic set the threshold of thirty, and then they're like Nintendo is like thirty? Why go through all that trouble? We'll sell the next one with twenty, and charge twenty dollars more. Yeah. And PlayStation's like, yeah, we're gonna copy that. Twenty's fine. I mean, how do you? They're not gonna release a PlayStation Classic two with other defining games. This is like but a, they'll do a PS two Classic with the Cell processor. No, they're not. Which is why they won't ever do that. Just like sure. the Nintendo officially said in an interview, they're not doing an N64 classic. You know why, guys? I'm sorry. I'm going to go in a soapbox. And this is me. N64 games do not hold up in 2018. Says the, the guy who has, I think, all of them. No, I don't have all of them. Most of them. And I'm sitting here staring at an N64 behind your head. Most of them don't hold up. Let's move on, Sean. <laughs> okay. This is yours as well. Yes, this is. So earlier <laughs> in the week, um, Pokemon Let's Go was released with the Eevee and Pikachu versions. Mm-hmm. And Jared's beautiful wife did him the honor of modeling the two copies that she, they acquired. She normally holds Pokemon objects for photo opportunities. Yeah, it's, it's her thing. Yep. And she's good at it. So, you know, she should keep doing that. Except... The irony of this was, of all the games in the world, so I actually bought this day one. Why? Because I like Pokemon games. No, you don't. I do. 
He's guys, this is recorded. <laughs> I do like Pokemon games. Uh, and I'm not 12. And I wasn't even 12 when Pokemon came out. I was an adult when Pokemon came out. Were you 96? 96, yeah. I was out of the Marine Corps at that point, buddy. Oh, my No, I gosh. was in the Marine Corps. I wasn't okay. out yet. Okay. But I was... Adultish. Uh, well, I, I was chronologically an adult. I, I don't know how much you, an adult <laughs> you can call somebody in the Marine Corps at that point in their life. But, uh, yeah, so... I actually, I still have fond memories of stories about how Pokemon caused seizures in Japan. And I was like, huh, that sounds like an interesting game. And then I bought it. Neat. <laughs> <laughs> so, of course, they fixed that before it came to America. Yeah. Um. It, yeah, so let's go buy two copies of this game and then not play them on the day that we're talking to all our friends about having bought them. Cause I was online looking for people to experiment with the multiplayer with. And of course, Jared, Mr. Nintendo switch dude himself was not online and hadn't been online. According to Nintendo online for two days prior to that. But when we do finally have a conversation about it, he goes, Oh yeah, I started playing Pokemon go again. <laughs> because I can transfer them into the game. So I don't want to ruin my game. I'm going to play Pokemon Go. And he got... This is... He got this the Pokemon. Why, this was my... This is why I got the uh, Let's Go games. I have a Pokeball in my hand. In which a real life Bulbasaur is stored inside it digitally. And I can level it up. Just by walking. Yes. Which actually is not a new thing because... I no, had they the had the Poke Counter. Yeah, that was... Uh, there were Poke Walkers. The GBA games that yes, did that? Yeah. I had two or three of them. Yeah. See, that, again, I'm a Pokemon so, fan. So, the funny thing about Pokemon is I played the original Red and Blue. Or I played Blue. Mm-hmm. I didn't play anything Any after that until Sapphire? Pokemon Black and White. All the way to Black and White. I didn't play any of the GBA games. Nothing all the way until a DS game. Not even the original DS games like Heart Gold and Soul Silver. And wow, that isn't that crazy. Did you play Snap on your sixty four? I did play Snap. Pokemon Snap was the, Arena the, the they should the have Game made Cube? Pokemon Snap for the Wii U. It was the perfect game for oh, the Wii, Wii U, U yeah. with the gamepad. It was a missed opportunity. They could have made millions. What about Arena on the Wii? Or no, the, I never uh, played Cube. the arenas. I was never that huge into Pokemon. Hmm. Um, interesting surprisingly and Pokemon just to be clear is it is Nintendo has a stake in Pokemon but it's not developed by Nintendo and it's not owned 100% by Nintendo anymore it, it never did, was it was originally they they spun it out they spun it out but it was never 100% yeah so That's anyhow we got sidetracked yes I did get Let's Go Eevee because my wife needed Pikachu, so I had to make a sacrifice in this relationship. Well, I bought Eevee because my wife wanted Eevee. Who wants Eevee over Pikachu? Me? No, nobody wants... Eevee is so much more dynamic. It, it, it has way more evolutions. It's it, a much better Pokemon. Yes, in terms of battling. But are you going to actually evolve your Eevee? My core Eevee? Probably not. Yeah, I don't want to ruin the that. one that I have a hat on and sitting on my shoulders. So I do have to say the uh, the game the games for the the Switch are pretty simple, but they're it's kind of curious to see where they're going to go with next because next year, twenty nineteen, they said that a core Pokemon experience was coming to the Switch. Hmm. 
This is not considered a core. It sure release. plays like a core Pokemon experience. Well, you don't battle to catch the Pokemon. You just have to throw the Pokeball at them. Well, that's the like go aspect. The go aspect. Yeah. Um, but in a lot of aspects, it kind of speeds up the focus of the game. Yeah, then you're focusing on getting the right Pokemon, leveling them up, and going and doing your arena battles, yeah. fighting your you know adversaries. So and... I'm kind of curious to see. And even the motion controls are not annoying, at least not yet. We'll see what they did there. They failed. <laughs> even Sean is using motion controls. That's true. And he hasn't complained about them yet. I haven't. Um so yeah, I'm I'm still playing the functionality between Go and Let's Go. Apparently, you can't import your Pokemon until you beat the game, which is pretty standard for Pokemon. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm kind of curious to see what the Switch, the real Pokemon, is going to be. Well, and the thing with Go is all of the Go um, characters are importable into the game. Yeah. Despite the fact that they don't exist in the Kanto region. That's false. You can only import Kanto region Pokemon into Go. But there's one or two that are you can you can you can import the Alohan versions, okay. With Pokemon uh, Sun and Moon, for those that don't know, they did what I think is really cool is they made like regional variants of mm-hmm. common Pokemon. You know, you, it's like you have a, a leopard and then you have a snow leopard, and they did that with Pokemon. I mean, it's hmm. kind of cool. So you can get an Alohan Rat Rattata. Oh, the best Pokemon ever! Yeah. You know, it's Purple, kind of cool. aggressive rat. <laughs> it's gray in the Alohan version. So. Ah, okay. Um, yeah, let's move on. Kingdom right. Hearts, the story so far. Four. Yeah. Story so far. Um, so this is the omnibus collection of the existing Kingdom Hearts games. Yes. Really, what it is, is a reissue. It's a... Hold on. Let's count... A compilation so, of let's, a reissue. Let's, let's start of off. Reissue. How many years has Kingdom Hearts 3 been in development? Um, Like 37. 37? Yeah, yeah, about one year older than I am. Yeah, yeah. In that time... Since Steamboat Willie. They've re-released <laughs> Kingdom Hearts 1 on the PS3, mm-hmm. again on the PS4, mm-hmm. and again again on the PS4, and... Again, 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 again with the uh, story so far. Um, so I bought this mostly for Erica. This did has, you really buy it? Yeah, I did. Because um, I didn't have the PS4 versions. I had the PS3 okay. re-releases. So I, I don't have 2.8. I don't have the final Yeah, Yeah, 2.8 is in this one. Yeah. So I haven't bought that. Um, I'm really excited to play Dream Drop Distance. Uh, it's a fun card game, actually. I'm shaking my head. I have no interest in Kingdom Hearts. <laughs> you just have no heart, no soul. Is that I'm one of the soulless or whatever they're called? <laughs> Heartless. Heartless, yeah. Um so if you're a Kingdom Hearts fan, let us know. I it looks it it has everything I like. You know, like the weird J pop and crazy Japanese cinematics and stupid convoluted stories and eh, I don't know. I've just never been interested in that. So let's move from a rehash to uh, a situation where plagiarism is apparently acceptable. Yeah. So in my hands here, so something, this is something I've been looking forward to since I was a child. And I mean this in all honesty. Um, I have the Super Mario Brothers encyclopedia. Did you get all three covers? No, just one. Okay. Um, because they have three different covers, but I know way. I'm not doing that. 
You're not doing that. You only have two, don't you? What's this one over okay. here? Okay, that's the collector's one. Uh, okay, so you have two. So, what the Super Mario Brothers Encyclopedia is, is it hashes basically every enemy and power-up that's been in every Mario mainline series Mario game. That's the mainline series, not the spin-offs or the carts or the sports. Mm-hmm. And it shows them in-game. It shows promotional art. Um, so it's very similar to what they did with the other encyclopedia series with like Zelda's Zelda. and, and what's great about this is this, like I said, I wanted this since I was a child. One of the few things I did as a, my early Nintendo fandom mm-hmm. is I wrote Nintendo of America when I was very young and I said, Hey, I love Mario. Can you send me a poster with all the enemies on it? And they're like, we don't offer that at the time. Yeah. Um, for some reason I was just I loved it I loved when Mario 3 came out and then it was no longer a hammer brother there was a boomerang brother and a sumo brother I don't know little me and little big me loves that stuff <laughs> but here's the thing the what they tried to capture in this book is what the enemies were called at the time of the game's release like blooper was not blooper when we were younger it was right. Bluber with a B. He's the little squid guy. Okay. So this was a Japanese release that they translated, mm-hmm. but apparently they weren't good at translating or there was no English equivalent. Um, and so they were like, Hey, where can we do some research real quick? Oh yeah. The super Mario wiki, which is an unofficial wiki. That's sort of maintained, but I wouldn't say is a hundred percent fact checked or, uh, <laughs> isn't accurate is what you meant to say. Yeah. And so they used information, a ton of information from that wiki in this publication and they got caught. I don't know if there's been any repercussions, but well, you bought the book. So what repercussion are you going to get? Well, I'm not me. Well, the publisher, the publisher made their money. Yeah. So, I'm getting a hand slap and say, hey, don't steal other people's poorly written, inaccurate stuff from a wiki. And I'm trying to think. We try to teach this to college kids every day, high school kids, <laughs> when they're writing papers. Don't, don't trust source the wiki. Go to the source that the wiki references. Uh, it's a five-minute conversation. So I, it's kind of annoying, especially with the quality that we've got from the Zelda series. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Dark Horse has been doing really well with these books. They've been doing really well. And again, I don't think they didn't have access to nintendo to say hey and maybe, maybe there, there was some... any information at nintendo yeah so and they wanted to make sure they wanted to get some i mean here's another it's... thing i've noticed about art books and, and you and i both collect coffee table art books for video games yes um a lot of times the japanese publications that get brought over don't have a lot of words in them they're just pictures yeah americans like words in context. So I think that's probably the situation they were in. That that could be, yeah. Now, it doesn't justify what they did. Right. But it does kind of help explain why somebody might make a poor choice like that. Yeah. Unless they hired the author of the wiki pages, which isn't usually one person. Well, again, they probably pulled the information without... It's not attributed. Well, they, they didn't cite it. It didn't cite it, so... Yeah. um. On that, on a similar front, that's not in our show, Sean, our Sean notes, our, Sean notes. our show notes. Um, there's a really good book series called uh, Legends of Localization. 
kind of hits on what you were talking about. Um, Clyde Mandolin is the author. He has a website, Legends of Localization. But it talks about that transition from Japan. And he's done two books. He's done um, Earthbound and the original Legend of Zelda. Okay. They're very, very verbose in how items and, you know, something I didn't understand about Japanese was there's like eight different um, tenses for how things, how people speak. You have the very formal, you have the very, and then people speak or it's written in a way Mm -hmm. where different ages are kind of depicted differently with the word usage. Okay. I mean, yeah, we don't have that a lot. I mean, the, you know, the closest approximation we can say for American English is, you know, a young person would say like, what's up, dude. And an older person would be like, how's it going, Sonny? But their language has, I know it's bad, bad example, but their (laughs) language has a lot of terminology and words that would be used by who's speaking. And so they had to take some of that into account when they were translating. I recommend it. Um, Okay. Let's move on. Yeah, we're we're going long on the tangents tonight. You're going long on the tangents tonight. Well, that's typical, actually. So, uh, hey, imagine this: our next tangent is still Nintendo related. What? I think half the tangents tonight are brought to you, brought to you by Jared adding Nintendo tangents. I I didn't put this in there. Uh, yeah, you did. No, I put the next one in there. No, you put this one in there too. Anyhow, long story short, you can look at the 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 notes. Um, somebody found a prototype for the, uh, the the Wii Wii remote that was a GameCube controller. Is it a surprise? It's just, it's, it's just like the Sony PlayStation. I mean, the Nintendo PlayStation. There are a couple that exist. Mm -hmm. In case you don't know, Nintendo was trying to partner with Sony to make a new system. They're trying to make an add on for the Super Nintendo. They're like, Hey, Sony, you don't make video games. Come help us, Nintendo. You know, because us. they owed part of the license for CDs, right? You know, Philips and Sony, and there's another company I can't remember which yeah. one it is. And Sony's like, "Hey, we'll come over and help you. Let's make a Super Nintendo CD hybrid called the PlayStation." They did. Nintendo was like, "Eh, we're gonna license games to Philips," and we know how that <laughs> went. Um, but yeah. The funniest thing about this is, um, you know, the whole, the old adage of what's a Wii? It's two GameCubes d- duct taped t- together. Yeah, <laughs> it's where it started. It makes perfect sense now. So it doesn't surprise me that there's a Wii remote. Um, obviously, Nintendo prototypes their next consoles years in advance before they actually publish it. Mm-hmm. You know, the Switch exists now, but it's they're already engineering. They're already working on the next thing. So, which will be the Switchy. The, the new Switch. New Switch XL. New, Ni- new Nintendo Switch Deluxe. I like XL. They use they use a lot of they use Deluxe, XL, um, plus plus color um, <laughs> color <laughs> DX, which just stands for Deluxe. Um, next on the Nintendo notes. The Switch has outsold the GameCube. Isn't that amazing? The Switch is selling very well. Uh, I mean, I own one. You own, you do own one. I do. Uh, next, Star Wars. Star hey, Wars. 
that series that you don't like to come back to, but on their streaming service, they already announced the Mandalorian. Right. Which is set after return of the Jedi. Right. And now we're getting another series for the streaming service that's set before star Wars and before the star Wars before this is, it's a series before rogue one using, utilizing some of the cast members of rogue one, uh, Diego Luna two people out. Yeah. Out of Rogue One. Before Rogue One, they're, they're telling a tour. What, I don't remember his character's It's Cassian name. Andor. Cassian, that's right. Who's the spy. Yeah. Who... They're telling his tale yeah. in a TV series. So it's a before, a mid-cool, it's a prequel mid-cool series something or other. I don't uh, know. I'm confused. It, it's a cash grab. Is it? I mean, it's it's harmless to adapt stories in this era. Yeah. It gives you that kind of classic empire um feel because it'll be after the clone wars it'll be the rise right. of the empire and, and you know that in that like three and a half month period between the <laughs> the, the gap that they left between the first and, and, and then the sixth movie um now it's I don't know I'm kind of torn on this I, I'm not sold on anything that that Disney has announced for their streaming series because on the Marvel side of the house, They've announced a limited series because these are m- movie actors involved in this, right? Yeah, they're too good for TV. They, they're but definitely limited too series. good for TV, especially streaming budgets. Those are like mini movies. Yeah. Uh, they, they've announced a Loki TV series and a Scarlet Witch TV series. And it was rumored, I forgot, they added another one. The uh, team up between Winter Soldier and Falcon was in there too. Oh, I hadn't seen that one. Yeah, like the buddy. See, the Cap Falcon buddy thing makes sense to me. Not yeah. not Bucky and, and, and Falcon. But yeah, we don't know what's going to end. How, how, you know, Avengers is going to end. Do you want to so see could... your expanded cinematic universes? No. For streaming? Not really. I mean, The Mandalorian to me fills in a gap in an area that we know very little about. Um, And there's a big period of time between return of the Jedi and the force wakes up from its nap. There is not a big period of time between the prequel to rogue one and rogue one, (laughs) which goes directly into a new hope. Yeah. I just, I don't know where you go. And, and again, it's a foregone conclusion. We know that Cassian Andor blows up on a planet. What? No, he did. What? How do you know this? To death screaming. How? He was hugging Jan or whatever her name is. With what? How did they blow up? There was a destroyer of stars, but it was shooting a planet. You mean that thing they showed in all the uh, episode two and three that they were building? Yeah. that They actually build it? Oh, oh yeah. Yeah. Oh, my God. That's good. That's good. It's gonna be... As a matter of fact, it's as they're stealing the plans for building it. Oh my gosh, it's going to be indestructible. And they're not Bothans. That thing's going to be huge. I think it's going to be the... the like as big as a moon. At least. That's not a moon. That's a space station. Anyhow, last in our tangents tonight is something near and dear to me, and I think near and dear to you. Yeah. Even though I haven't played the, uh, the VR version yet. I have. Tetris Effect. Yes, it's the most chill Tetris ever. I will say it is probably the biggest tetris release since tetris ds yes and it's visually amazing whether you're playing in 3d or not 
Everything's amazing. The music is wonderful. The soundtrack, the music, the, the only thing the interactive. That, I gotta say, I've got one one negative. Well, there's two. Two negatives. Two negatives. Otherwise, I love it. But one negative is in the middle of the journey, and we can talk about the journey mode, right? Which is this very tranquil kind of. You get your lines, you go to the next level, and it's just wonderful. And when you're playing it in 3D, it's really you can look around you, and there's interactive things to see, and there's an environment to look at. About three quarters of the way through your lines on each of these levels, as you're going through the journey, it will go from like a difficulty five, it'll slam you at like difficulty 12 with no warning. And you're just like, all of a sudden you're like, okay, I got a good groove going with my drop for the pieces. And then all of a sudden it's coming down at lightning speed and you're like, oh, if I don't have the right setup, I'm done. And and I'm not the Tetris master that you are, right? So I struggle with that. It's interesting because that's something I really enjoy is kind of the elliptical bike workout mode where it kind of, yeah, yeah. it kind of goes, you know, it's Tetris hard. spin class. It's yeah, it's a Tetris spin class where it goes really hard and then it settles down even up and then you kind of ramp up. I hit the mountain really hard and then you go back downhill. Yeah, I, I kind of like that. I like the ramping. I mean, yeah. I've always liked that, you know, you slowly, but I, I get what you're saying. Cause it does go from like level zero to level nine. With yes. no transition. That's the whole point of the original Tetris is you kind of build up. Like you kind of get in this slow mode. And you're you, training your, I mean, you train yourself as you're yeah. playing through so the So by levels. the time you get to level nine, you're able to react. But here's the thing about Tetris effect. Any way you want to play Tetris is there. Except uh, for one. That's my number two issue. What's your number two? Multiplayer. Yeah, but it's missing. It's a very simple thing to add. Here's here's my take on that. So um, actually, not through official channels, but actually, I I posted a blog post about uh, on my personal blog about some Tetris related links with uh, the history of Tetris, the evolution of Tetris, which I really mm-hmm. recommend that one if you're a nerd like me and kind of want to see the difference in all the versions. But listener super fan Kyle commented, and he said that he thinks of Tetris as a party game. What? Yeah. I don't think of it as a party game. And in multiplayer... Well, I mean, it was in arcades to play multiplayer with. Multiplayer is there, but I've only played multiplayer... Okay, if, if, if let's say I have a pie of Tetris, right? <laughs> I want to see where this is going. <laughs> well, it's coming up in Thanksgiving, so it's I've got a pumpkin pie of Tetris. I've only played multiplayer one slice out of that whole of Tetris. So I don't see it as absolutely crucial for the Tetris experience. And with this, it's not crucial for what Tetris effect is trying to do. It's probably, it probably detract from the whole experience of the kind of zoning in multiplayer. You don't really zone in. It's a little more active thinking. It's a little more reactionary. Whereas the whole point and you know, they're trying to get across with this game is kind of the zone in to Tetris. That's true. And there are a number of different, uh, and there's game no modes. shortage of multiplayer Tetris games out there, including on the PS4. If you want a multiplayer Tetris game, you can get Tetris Ultimate, the Ubisoft version of Tetris. It's nothing special, but there's multiplayer on it. You can get it for like $5. Hmm. Um, but I get what you're saying. It would be nice to have some of those. Here's the um, visuals that I would love. And there was. A, the, so you're going to talk about this, I'm sure. But yeah. They do some things with the tetrominoes that I did not expect. Yeah. 
the, you said Tetranum. I call them Tetraminos. Tetra, it's a personal whatever they're choice. Yeah. Tetris um, blocks. So actually, the the history of Tetris, you know, it was invented by one guy in Russia. And what they did early on to get the rights is they kind of consolidated them under a country, a company called the Tetris company. Mm-hmm. And the Tetris company has the rights, the licensing, the trademarks, but also what they have is a set of guidelines. And this is kind of, I was reading a lot about this today, but this is kind of what's limited Tetris the last decade of kind of distinguishing the games from each other. Because the Tetris guidelines have a couple things of, you know, you have to have a hold piece now. You know, up does a hard drop. I never hold pieces. I mean, that's why I'm soft drop. And that's optional in Tetris Effect, by the way. But it also has guidelines on each Tetramino has to be a certain color. The Mm -hmm. line piece always has to be a cyan blue. The block yellow has to be yellow. Here's the thing with Tetris Effect. They throw (laughs) all those color guidelines and visually styles out the window. Well, in in some of the, they change the shapes inside the blocks. So if there's one where you've got, like windmills yeah and and the blocks have gears instead of blocks there's ones where the tetraminos are all fire because you're doing a fire level it's it's really good and the cool thing is after you've done the journey mode the journey mode's kind of going through all these they call them skins but i think scenes is a better Mm -hmm. name for it one one of them is my favorite is there's this just tranquil there's not a lot of music and it's just rain falling in a forest and to me that's like awesome but mm-hmm. it, it's great in vr too um because you just put it on and yeah you just... and then you're kind of you're just there um but the cool thing is once you've gone through the journey mode with all these scenes is you can go to the effects mode and that's where you have your traditional tetris of marathon mode the alter mode all that stuff and you can choose whatever visual style that you're really set on and there's also playlists as well mm-hmm. with certain types of scenes so if you really like one of those ones, that's not the windmill because I found that one very visually confusing when I it was. It bothered it. me so I, I failed <laughs> that like three times because I kept just visually getting yeah. disrupted. Yeah, especially um, when you went from like level three to like level ten. Yeah, and all of a sudden it's dropping. And if you if you've played Luminous, there's mm-hmm. a lot of there's a lot of DNA pulled from Luminous in Tetris Effect. So, and if you're somebody who's on the fence about VR on the PlayStation. If you're looking for one game to really show it off, yeah, it's Skyrim. But this <laughs> is about as close as you're going to get. Now, you knew I had to go there. Go yeah, on. yeah. No, Tetris Effect is going to be the reason I buy a PlayStation VR. Not Borderlands 2 VR? No. No. <laughs> I have no idea how that's going to work. Tetris Effect is, I think, the perfect example of a good VR game. Now, you know, if you do pick up the VR, you're going to have to buy Bridge Commander. Yeah, bridge probably. Crew. I'm gonna have to because then we can. Play they have next crew. gen on there, so I'm gonna have to do that. Yeah. Anyhow, let's move in to our main topic. Also, we want to hear from you if you did play Tetris Effect, and also, um, if you want to hear more about my thoughts on Tetris, stay tuned. I'm going to be posting more on them in the the coming months. Let's go to our main topic, Sean. Sure. <laughs> What you've got to do 150 Pokemon to get Plus some accessories too So you bought the first 54 You still don't have enough Everyone has Bulbasaur But you have Wigglytuff 
Huh. Do you have Wiggly Tough? I don't have Wiggly Puff. It's Wiggly Tough. It's Jiggly Puff Wiggly Tough. Anyhow, our I, main topic. I don't have that one. This episode. It's kind of, it's a three pillar sort of episode. Um, today we're going to talk about mobile games. And when we say mobile, we're going to make the clear distinction of mobile games. Because Sean kind of challenged me on what's a mobile game. Mobile games to me are games played on a smartphone or tablet device with a touchscreen. Mm-hmm. You one could argue that Nintendo handhelds were the original mobile games, but while there were sort of smaller scale mobile experiences, there was also full RPGs on those on those games. That's true. So when I'm saying that handheld games, I kind of differentiate when I say mobile games. And you're not talking about ports of traditional handheld games into mobile either right so Um, like the final fantasies that have been ported over with new sprites and a touch-based interface we might want to those might fall into the topic a little bit because my first statement may or may not be a controversy but mobile games are a cash grab well generally yes there is very little substance to most mobile games well, but I think you have a different audience. So let me play the counterpoint on this. Not that I necessarily agree with this, but I No, I know your counterpoint. It's you're going it's it's again, it's about inclusion and mainstream audience, right? That's part of it. But the other part of it is it has to be rapidly playable. Yeah, pick up and play. And you have to be able to, to walk away from it. Right. Almost immediately. Because one could say that about handheld games too. Yeah, well, I, I'm not sure that that's true. One of the reasons that I find myself not playing handheld games is because they do take time. Some do, yeah. You, you kind know. of invest in them. Uh, even so, even something where you can do something transactional, like an Advanced Wars game, right. right? where you do one map and you're done, can take 20 minutes. Correct. But there are versions of those games that are ta- tailored more towards um, Mobile a five-minute experience, if you want yeah. to call it that. In fact, one of them is Fire Emblem. Um, Nintendo Which is not, in my opinion, a good game, but I, I would agree with you. So one thing that got me on this topic is there's been a trend, and this is going to lead into one of our next top or next subtopics here. But there's been a trend of taking established franchises and making mobile versions or mobile experiences that fit into those franchises. We mentioned Fire Emblem. Just this year, um, Bethesda announced their Elder Scrolls mobile mm-hmm. experience. However, the caveat with that one is it's going to be playable on everything. Right. But it's it's That's really a, a mobile It's a differentiator. It's touch-friendly. And right? Yeah, it's touch-friendly. Um, but there are a couple... In- well, I mean, Square just released uh, Final Fantasy Final Fantasy fifteen um, mobile version. And it's the chibi version of Final Fantasy XV without any of the speech, but the same game effectively. And I think the perfect example of why I have such, I don't, animosity might be the right word, is they tried to port Mega Man X to a mobile device hmm. with a touchscreen. And I, I think you can imagine as much as I can, it didn't go really well. I played the X-Men arcade game on a mobile device that was ported over. It was horrible. <laughs> Because you're having to tap the screen and then move with your other thumb. The two-thumb control I don't think works for most arcade games. No. I think 
I like games that are designed from the ground up for a mobile device. I I think the problem like is Bejeweled. Bejeweled, but I mean, yeah, Bejeweled or, works well. Tetris works okay. Yeah, uh, like a puzzle game type or of experience. Zuma or uh... you know what's what's funny is I think back to the DS era, and there's lots of games that would work really well on a touchscreen. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Brain Age games, mm-hmm. even WarioWare. WarioWare oh, had a touch touched games. version yeah. for the DS, which I think would work really well. Um, but it, that's not my beef. My beefs. Uh, my beef is trying to make a Mario experience on a mobile phone and trying to make it good. There's going to be. But what about Animal Crossing? Animal Cro- here's okay. So let's bring up Animal Crossing. Animal Crossing would seemingly seem like a good fit, and my wife does play it a lot. However, so mine. I don't. Animal Crossing has sort of the console games and the DS games kind of have a a depth to them where you do invest time. There's the pick up play in aspect. Mm-hmm. There's also the uh, I'm going to play it for a few hours aspect. Well, you know, I love part of the game, which is a big part of the gameplay loop, which is fishing. That's your favorite part. <laughs> Um, and you were the prime audience for the Final Fantasy 15 fishing mini game. I was, and it even has a VR version. Yeah, Monster so of the it's Deep. right up your alley. Um, <sighs> no, my problem is with the 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 mechanics that kind of play on what we're learning about gambling, and it's sort of the do- the, well, the quick orphans, the right? quick dopamine releases yeah. where you have to kind of click on things and you get something even though what you're doing and what you're getting is it's the loot box insubstantial problem. it's diablo it's what diablo captured a long time ago yes um but they're putting that into these games with i feel diablo has a lot of depth to it though yeah the original to, to a degree I, I don't know that diablo 3 does Diablo 3, let's say 1 and 2. You yeah. put those in the same boat, right? Yeah, 1 and 2. Um, you know, if you want to play that for an hour, you're going to get still going to get more out of it. Mm-hmm. And there's you can play different characters. And at no time are you getting charged, other than the expansion pack, for additional Or the content. real money auction house, which no longer exists. Yeah. Whereas Animal Crossing has things in the game that will speed it up if you pay money or use in-game currency. But that's been a... That has been a staple of mobile games since the beginning of time. Yes. And that's one of my problems. It's one of my so, what Bejeweled or one of those types of games where you would get a certain number of, of lock unlocks or if you failed a level, you could only retry a certain number of times a day unless you bought gems. I mean, the microtransactions are, are integral to the DNA of most mobile games. I, I agree with you. But... The thing is, there's lots of mobile games. You said like you there wasn't a mobile game that you really played or got invested in, right? Not really. I mean, there are a few, but it's not like I rush home. So we've talked about a few. Like we've talked about the Metroid games on the GBA. Yeah. Those would be handheld games. Yep. And when I've seen conversions of some handheld or classic games to my phone or my tablet, I will play them. But I still have trouble playing them for very long. Right. Because the controls are subpar in most cases. I'm telling you, why doesn't somebody just release a button attachment for these devices? There are. There are actually... Why isn't it widely accepted or made by the manufacturer? To you kind mean of like... Why doesn't Sony have a They tried that with the Wii, if you recall. The Wii? The Wii had all of those attachments and add-ons that you could buy, and there was a whole market for... No, no, no. What junkie. I'm saying well, is... But no, wait. Okay, follow me. Sorry, here. sorry. So... The problem was people solved that problem with the Wii. 
right? You, it was motion control. You wanted to look like a, you know, a, a tennis racket or a gun or whatever. People never buy those things. There's just not enough of a market for them. And I think that's still the same thing with your phone because your phone's still going to go back in your pocket. Well, hear me out. What if, let's say Sony, because the Vita didn't do very well. Sony well, Sony made a PlayStation phone. Yeah, let's say they're not manufacturing the phone. They have some sort of licensed deal. Mm -hmm. They have the cloud service of PlayStation Now, right? Yeah. That's called. Yeah. And they're going to put PlayStation Now on all Android phones with a officially licensed Sony controller that you can put your phone into. It's effectively an NVIDIA Shield at that point. Right. But nobody's buying an NVIDIA Shield because that's an additional purchase. Yeah. So I guess I don't know what I'm saying with that. It's kind of a tangent on no, the main I, topic. No, I think we're kind of saying the same thing. But one thing I did want to point out before I move into the uh, next part of this is there are good mobile games out there. Um, Threes, uh, Monument Valley, if you've mm -hmm. heard of those games. I'm mentioning iOS games. Sorry, iOS. Um, What else? Super Hexagon, which was made by the same guy that did uh, yep. VVVVVB. Which I actually have these. Everything you've mentioned I have on the PC. Cannabalt, which was like <laughs> one of the first endless runners that was done well. And the, the great thing I love about these games, Downwell, um, is they're games. There's no mic no microtransactions, no sort of what was the gachapon. One where you of, ran sideways and you had a jet jetpack on. Jetpack. Joyride. Oh, jetpack Joyride. Yeah, that was when I played. Yeah. Um, and then the Angry Birds. Right, those were Angry Birds. Yeah, Angry Birds were good games, but the problem is they released one every half hour. <laughs> um, but when you're talking about good gameplay and you're talking about something that's adapted for a mobile platform, you know, and and, and let's not forget the almighty, groundbreaking, evolutionary game of Flappy Bird. <laughs> Flappy Bird, <laughs> but. Again, it, it played to the strength of the platform, which is it did. the touch-based controls. And, and Yeah, I mean, there was better versions of what Flappy Bird was. But that being said, Flappy Bird didn't have the tendencies that I don't like in mobile games. The mobile transactions, the mm -hmm. got to collect them all sort of. And I, I say that willingly knowing that I'm playing Pokemon Go that implores, employs a lot of those tactics. Or Ingress or yeah. any of the Niantic games. Yeah, I mean, obviously, Pokemon has that whole thing locked down. That's part of Pokemon. Yeah. I know what I'm getting into in a Pokemon game. It's you better know. than a Yu-Gi-Oh game or a Doraemon. Yeah, Digimon. The, the Fire Emblem game, I'm a huge Fire Emblem fan, but trying to collect all the heroes and random selections and it's just there's eight versions of the same character and you have to, it's Pokemon Fire Emblem, essentially. Mm -hmm. It's annoying. I don't want to play that. I want to play Fire Emblem where I have one character and that character follows me through the game. And yeah, they could have done an all-stars mashup thing, but that's here and there. Next, this is a, probably the quickest part of our subject, but companies have moved beyond showing value or tangibility of games and they're relying more on just hype engines. Well, absolutely. And if you look at the way that um, games are covered now it's it's not media it's not journalists games journalists as, as shaky a term as that ever is it's not people with any kind of journalism background being the 
voices and the high and, and there are still the IGNs of the world, right? Where they do previews and stuff like that. But the majority of it is the influencers on YouTube, which are just fans that get free copies of games and yeah. are all focused on the hype. They're not looking at anything critically. They're not inclined to do so. And if they do, the YouTubers and the Twitch streamers, they get penalized by the yeah. publishers. The publishers have taken over the market. You know, it used to be the public, and back in my day, right, when I was a games journalist, uh, we would generally get major releases from the studios for review, and all they were looking at was coverage. They weren't telling you how to cover it. They weren't asking you to, to only cover certain things. They weren't buying time on your channel as a sponsorship to, for you to show off specific parts of the game right. before release. Now they've figured out instead of having a critical view of it, it's much more effective to have the everyman Twitch streamer or YouTuber rant and rave about a game that maybe isn't finished and isn't good, but yeah. you effectively are, are feeding them. So there's no objectivity. Well, what's, what's funny about this is we play into these cycles. We're guilty of that. Mm -hmm. um, but you know, all they have to do at E3 is show a trailer, an incredibly scripted gameplay Control. demo. Well, of course, it has to be. Um, it's marketing. It's not game development. Yeah. And it's not the game developers determining what goes on that screen. No. It's the publisher and the marketing company. Marketing team. I mean, a lot of people blame No Man's Sky for showing off things that weren't in the game at launch. That. That's all been fixed since. But... We see, we've seen this with downgraded well, graphics and all that kind yeah, of stuff. Yeah, Spider-Man didn't have puddles. Um... <laughs> <laughs> well, The Witcher 3 is a famous example. Where the E3 trailer for The Witcher 3 was much higher resolution, much more dynamic than the version we got at launch. Which turned out to be an optimization issue. It wasn't that the graphics were removed or downgraded. It's some of the lighting engine changed. But because they focus so much on that hype engine. And, and I don't think CD project usually is, is a, a bad example here, but um, everybody is so trigger happy when it comes to what we're being spoon fed by these publishers and their marketing arms. Well, the other thing is now that companies are managing this hype, right? Well, they're managing the message, right? They're, they're saying, hey, be really excited for this. Be really excited for this because of X. Yeah. And this leads into the last part of this. <laughs> is those marketing teams and those hype managers, so to speak, are out of touch with a lot of people. But not necessarily the developers, which is interesting. Right? Because your average game developer tends to be a gamer. Yes. Um, now they get burned out because they end up spending hours and hours and hours of their life building games. And the, the last thing most of them want to do when they go home is play a game. Right. Right. Uh, but you're right. I mean, the, the publishers are chasing quarters. The, the, the studios are trying to make sure they're lining up their next deal so they can keep people fed and paid. Right. You know, and I have a perspective on this as a business owner, right? Sometimes you have to make, choices because you may have a social contract with your employees that you want to keep them in employed. You want to keep them doing cool things. You want to make the game you want to make, but 
you also have to recognize that what's hot in the market today in 36 months may not be hot. And if you're designing for today, it, you may miss that trend. Wasn't well, the same, the same terminology goes into the film business, right? Make mm-hmm. one for them, make one for me, right? Is this the, the actor saying that I've heard? Well, before. yeah, you'll take the big budget, vapid take, film so that you to can be able make, to make the, three art films, right? Where you get to a good character in depth and you get to show right. your acting. And you get awards and stuff. Right. I think that there's a there's an element of that in the game design, game industry, game Yeah, and we've, we've seen that with some developers slash publishers like uh, um, Platinum Games, right? They've done mm-hmm. some really bad licensed games, but we still respect and know Platinum Games is going to make... Still haven't forgiven them for Legend of Korra. I still haven't forgiven them for Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Well, yeah, Turtles was bad, too. Um, Shouldn't have been. Transformers surprisingly pulled itself out of there. Yeah, it's a licensed game. It's made by Platinum Games. It's sold for $40, and it's good. That defied (laughs) all of the formula. Yeah. So one thing with this is, obviously, if you haven't caught us hinting on this, was Blizzard. Yeah. BlizzCon happened a few weeks ago. It did. And Blizzard admittedly told their fans in advance of BlizzCon... Do not get excited for Diablo. We're we have, working on multiple things. We have Diablo-related news, but don't get your hopes up. Right? Yeah. Kind of sending a message right there, in my opinion. However, <laughs> they announced a Diablo mobile game. A game that, again, I think the core audience, Mm-mm. especially PC gamers, right? They're not asking for this. Well, let's look at Diablo's audience right now. It's done amazingly well on consoles. It's done, yeah, it's redesigned done, for the console. It's done really well to expand the yeah. normal audience. I will but, give you that. But even on the consoles, it's a traditional audience. It's right. traditional hardcore gamers. But here, take all of that away, right? You have BlizzCon. Who is attending and watching BlizzCon? The diehard fans. The People die willing hard to spend fans. $250. BlizzCon is not E3. It's, it, it's all fans. It is. You have some cosplay that's probably top tier you have a lot of and blizzard has done a very good job of catering mm-hmm. to fans to kind of pleasing fans and they announced a warcraft 3 remaster at blizzcon that again i don't think anybody was asking for but um everybody's no, I can excited still play for warcraft 3 on windows 10 yeah <laughs> but uh but a mobile diablo game is one of those things where the audience was pretty much crickets after showing it. In fact, one of the, in the link where it says when Diablo died. Yeah. Um, it's bad. One of the, they had a Q and a, and the, the guy came up and said, is this some sort of out of seasons, out of season, April fool's joke? I mean, are you really that disconnected? Yeah. That you think this is what we want? Yeah. And we, we will buy. And the reality is, here's the thing. The audience was wrong for the message the choice to do a mobile game was not necessarily a wrong choice. And and that's where I agree with you, Sean. Again, mobile games are a cash grab. There's no... We also have to remember, America is not the majority market yeah. for mobile games. They are ginormous in Asia. Well, they're enormous worldwide because where PC games and traditional 
you know, the Steams, the Nintendos, the Playstations aren't established in some of the parts of the world. Mm-hmm. Mobile devices are. Yeah, everybody right? has a phone. Everybody has a phone. Everybody has a platform where these games are seeing much more uh, exposure. I mean, Nintendo's... Exp- that's why Nintendo's doing what they're doing as well. They and ex- there's also s- different culture around gambling in some of those places. Yes. Pachinko parlors exist for a reason. <laughs> So, while it is a cash grab, Mm -hmm. cash grabs aren't necessarily a bad thing. As long as you can play the game, and and we've seen this in the free-to-play market, too. Blizzard didn't say, this is at expense of Diablo 4. We all know that they're making Diablo 4, or whatever that will be. Mm -hmm. But I think what the problem was, knowing the audience, knowing the feedback, and just saying, hey guys, Diablo 4... We'll show you more soon. We're leading with it. It was just the wrong message. It was just a wrong audience, wrong message. Yeah. If they had released it prior to BlizzCon and said, hey, look, we're doing a mobile game if you guys are interested, and not had it be the main stage final reveal of the kickoff keynote, which historically is when you show your biggest release of the year, the most important release. Well, guess what you just did? You just told all of those traditional gamers who paid a lot of money to be in that room with you that you really are going after the money and not after their interests. Right. And that's what killed that interaction. Yep. Now, here's the worst part of it. And we've seen this in the media a lot lately. When the fan communities are upset about the choice that a media company or a game company or a movie company make, the first thing that the the, the the first thing we hear from the company is it's a toxic fan environment. Think yeah. about that with Star Wars. Last Jedi. Perfect example. There were toxic conversations around The Last Jedi because it was so... Divisive. It, it's a, it, it was, was divisive. It's divisive. However... Listen to our episode in case you need to know more. <laughs> yeah, the special episode that we did. Uh the thing that I've seen more and more often, and we see this because of what's going on in our political environment in America, we're seeing it in our media discussions in America, it's everywhere right now. And I don't even know that it's just America. It It's attack, attack, attack. Somebody doesn't agree, they attack. Somebody is attacking you, so you have to point to belittle their point and attack them. And And we're seeing it used as a media tactic to diffuse... When companies make mistakes, well, what what I have in here, in my in the show notes, mm-hmm. you know, are the companies afraid of alienating the mainstream at the expense of the core gamers? Well, they're always after growing the core, right? Right. So I've got you in the core. You're gonna buy a Diablo game. You're a Diablo fan, and I'm going to what? I'm going to be your boots on the ground saying, Hey, you need to play Diablo with me. Yeah. Right. That's something that, but I've already counted you. Yeah. I want those four people over there that I haven't counted yet. So I have to figure out what they want and they may actually outnumber you. Oh, absolutely. Cause you're one and they're four. Correct. I want four. I, if I lose one to get four, I still net three. Correct. It's a gamble. It is. Um, I was trying to think of this crossed my mind when you mentioned the environment and the attack. And I can't think of what the game was. 
Um, I remember this happening, and maybe you can shine some light or remember. I remember there was a game release, and I remember some of the core gamers that were kind of upset with it, and they flew them out to play the game. I can't remember what it was. I kind of changed their mind, and I can't remember who the developer what the game hmm. was. They took two pretty established gamers that were critical of some game release, mm-hmm. and they flew. I said, hey, come out. Play the game. Just play the game before right. you make any this is before a game release but and kind of you know had them share their opinions but that goes back to the goodwill and yeah. i'm sure there was a publisher realizing that it was worth the marketing money to fly that person yeah. out yeah i mean you can't just buy off so media outlets i don't know it, it, this is again we've, we've we've hashed this subject out a lot but these are companies they want to make money. Yeah. That's that's they're not here to service everybody's needs. They are no. here to Now the creators behind some of these games have that altruism, right? They right. want to tell they want to continue telling a story. They want to introduce or broaden the world that people love so much. But ultimately at the end of the day, they don't do it for free and 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 their work costs money. Yep. And it's always going to come back to can I get more people to buy it? Is it going to be profitable? And how do I continue to make games? I have to make money. Well, there's all the stuff with AAA games are very hard to to make a profit these days. Yeah. So they're hugely expensive to make, and yeah. and the return takes a while. And then when you've got, and we've talked a little bit about this with digital marketplaces in the past, when you have things like Steam, where within 30 days most games drop $10 on the PC side. The profitability has to be made in that first 90 day window or else the publisher is going to say it was a failed project, even if it has a long tail. So games like vampire, the masquerade bloodlines, which is still selling copies at $15 a copy, you know, seven years after it was released and like five years after the company went out of business, there's still fans patching the game. Somebody is still getting money at Activision every time. I mean, yeah, an Activision fairy gets its wings every time <laughs> somebody buys a vampire game. Um, but the reality is that, you know, it's not about art. This is a commercial business. And we have to balance that as people who consume. We're consumers. Yeah. So we'll leave it on that. We want to know what your thoughts are with the either the disconnect between companies and their fan bases, your thoughts on mobile games. I'm sure there's a mobile game that you're going to tell me is the greatest out there. I want to know. Hmm. Let me know. I'm, I'm open-minded surprisingly. Um, and let, let me know what you think about this whole trend with early access and hyping up games and <laughs> early access. Yeah. I know that's a the whole other subject. Beta test. The, the paid beta test. Exactly. This, just this, new world we kind of live in actually we'll talk about that next week or the next episode okay because i want to talk about 76 oh the paid beta test well it's yeah we'll we'll come back to that topic so let us know what you think on those topics uh this week in our fans giving of the back feeds uh if you are a member of our discord you have spoken on last episode's topic where we talked about Hey, why doesn't anybody want to get together and play games? And everybody said, hey, we want to get together and play games. So stay tuned on that, you loyal listeners. We're going to be getting a small gaming group going. 
I think, right? I, I think so. The other thing I want to talk about and kind of put out in the ether. The ether. I want to play board games with people who aren't in the same room with me. Oh. Tabletop Simulator. Yeah, that game that you bought that you haven't used yet. Oh, I've I've downloaded tons of games for it. <laughs> um, but, I mean, that's the other thing I want to do is I want to get friends who, because we can't always get in the same room and play a board game. But we, most of us can get on our computers, because you have one, remember, um, <laughs> and play a virtual tabletop game. Whether that's a D&D style game or whether that's something like Betrayal at the House on the Hill. And and I I would be interested in doing that with, with listeners as well. Yeah. It doesn't take the time commitment that a long-term Dungeons & Dragons or Starfinder or Vampire the Masquerade game takes. Yeah. So... Anyway, things to think about. And, yeah. and if you're not a member of our Discord, we We've would like to invite you to join us. In the show notes. It costs $17 a month to be a member. <laughs> no, it's free. You can write checks. No. Because nobody has checks. It's free. It is free. And we've got a good, pretty good user group so far. We've, we've, if you want to play any games, we have a couple channels from when we play Rocket League or Splatoon together. And if there's any geek-related news that we talk about normally on the podcast, post it in there. We can talk about it. We can yeah. talk about it then. We can talk about it on the show. The more interactive, the better for us. Absolutely. Because then now we're at this point, we've done 30 of these episodes. You know, quite have frankly. Have we said anything new? Well, I have a role I have to play, which is the old curmudgeon who hates Nintendo. And I have a role to play that's, what's a PC? Um, <laughs> so, this week we brought back the, did we have one dumb thing last week? I, I feel like we, we cut did. it out. We have one. Oh, we have a one dumb thing. Well, it's this... not just one. It's oh, one concept. Well, no. Let's let's we'll elaborate. This episode's one dumb thing in is, honor of Thanksgiving in America is Black Friday. The concept <sighs> of doorbusters and deal slashers and buy two get seven free and and what I call this is clear your crap out of inventory and take advantage of the rubes. On Thanksgiving. Yeah. Um, but we've come up with the hierarchy so we, of Black Friday. We're planning. It's not the hierarchy. We're, we're, you guys know that there's a Cyber Monday, right? right? That's the new thing, right? So what we've done is we've planned it out for the next five to ten years of how this is going to expand. Because obviously, you know, when, I was, when I was a kid, all the stores were closed on Thanksgiving. Grocery stores, retail stores, Thanksgiving was a family holiday. Yeah, people stayed at home. It with was their not a consumerist holiday. Yeah. As it is now. Um, it wasn't a consumer holiday. Huh? It wasn't as much of a consumer. Yeah, ex- that's what I said. Yeah. yeah. So here's what we've come up, right? So Thanksgiving will be formally renamed to Thanks Buying, right? Thanks for buying. Thanks buying. Because now stores in America are open at 5 o'clock p.m. Because you've probably slept off your tryptophan. They're not even, they're open earlier than that, dude. Their stores opens on Thanksgiving now. They just stopped that whole open after dinner thing. That ended like oh, two years like ago. Oh, that's like two years ago, huh? Yeah. Wow. <laughs> um, so you get thanks buying. And then uh, my wife pointed out to me there there has been, uh, you know, then there's Black Friday. Small business Saturday, you know, buy from your local vendors. That's a message I can get behind. Um, mm-hmm. then we have cyber Monday, which, mm-hmm. you know, don't go to the stores, stay in your pajamas and order deals online or on Amazon two weeks before. Yeah. 
And then you have we these are this is where we've come up and kind of yeah this is out where we get our equation here. So the next one is Thrifty Tuesday. Yeah, thrift store Tuesdays. Thrift stores are slashing prices, cleaning out the thrift stores. Uh, and then the next day, clearance Wednesdays. Wednesdays. Because it's near the end of the year, we don't want a bunch of stuff to inventory for tax. Forget purposes. the end of the aisle clearance. There's aisles of clearance. They went back to the stock rooms and threw their shit out. In the... Perfect. Everything's got the red label on it. It must go. No refunds. Next, we have impulse buy thir- or Tuesday. No, Thursday. Thursday. Impulse Thursday. buy Thursday. You know you want it. Come on. It's right there. It's right there. And it's probably on sale and you'll never get that price yeah, again. Yeah, this is going out of stock, man. Yeah, it's rare. It's like an amiibo. And then we have... Black Friday to the blackening. the blackening. Oh my god. <laughs> did you go to Black Friday? Why did you not wait until Black Friday 2? That's when they bring the real stuff out because they get the restocks yeah. from the first Black Friday. You thought those TVs that were 50% off was they're like $10 now and we're putting them in the <laughs> the end of the aisles at Target. Sure, they're not 4K or anything. They don't have mounts and uh they may only do red and blue, but they're cheap. And they're made by Toshiba. <laughs> or Hitachi. <laughs> Next, we have Sold Out Saturday. This is the day you go into the store and there's nothing that you want to buy. Yeah, but it's you got to get something. Because it's right after the blackening. Yeah. And then, hey, there's still room for this layaway Sunday. Because we got about two and a half left. weeks until Two weeks left. <laughs> and then, my favorite... You know, and this is the holiday I probably, uh, this is one I've partaken in quite a few you times. You celebrate this one, yeah. Yeah. In December, last minute gift card eve. <laughs> it's Noth- a variable date. Sometimes it's the 23rd. Sometimes, sometimes it's, it's the 24th. 24th. Yeah. So we hope you, uh, you know, help you plan, you know, because these are all going to be established within a couple yeah, years we have a plan to make these a thing help us make these things a thing yeah if you work in retail and you know who the retail gods are in the marketing department who make these things things help us make these things things <laughs> for your things so you can work additional hours in retail and not see your family oh yeah all those are open 24 hours 25 hours in some cases 27 hours on thursdays <laughs> so if you have any you know also kind of curious if any of you guys have any other suggestions for uh Black Friday sequels, post them. Let us know what your ideas or, are. Or if you want to make like memes of all of these, that would be cool too. Yeah. Last, one gratifying thing. And this is a pretty simple one. And again, this is an American holiday. We're an American podcast located in American. American made. In the state of American. Yeah. With America. American ideals. Where we came in and... and only survived in a small population thanks to some indigenous people that we later drove out of their homes. But anyway, we give thanks for yes. that inedible corn that doesn't exist today. And the, the spirit of kindness and family that is engendered in our holiday, the actual, maybe not the actual meaning of the holiday, but the, the intent of what well, let's call it the intent yeah. of the holiday. Well, I'm waiting. I think we got two to three years before this becomes another Christopher Columbus day. You think so? Oh, yeah. I think we're going to get Thanksgiving. If it weren't a commercial holiday, I think it would have probably been driven out of existence because of the uh, cultural changes that have occurred around the holiday. Yeah. <laughs> but I do have this to say. just getting deep while I'm saying I'm grateful. I'm trying to get deep and you're trying to. 
<laughs> but I do want to say thanks to all of our listeners. And I want to thank you, Sean, especially for this podcast and going through with this. And we're, we're still doing it. I mean, we've cranked out like six episodes this year. It's It's been a weird year. It has. And, you know, for yous out, for yous, for you people out for there. Yous, for you, the listeners. Um, we're very thankful that you're listening. We're, th- we're thankful and, you know, we're thankful you're here. You have time to spend with us. You know, there's plenty of other things going on. And if you're a first-time listener or a long-time listener who hasn't kind of become part of the community, we really do want to hear from you. Yeah. Um, even if it's just to say, hey, I'm out here and I like what you're doing, you know, just getting that makes us worth it. Yep. And, hey, maybe the holidays are in good, a good time for you, but, um, you know, reach out, let us know, and, you know, spend some time with you. With yeah. yous. And until next episode? Yeah. I'm Sean. And I'm not Jared. Yeah. I am Jared? No. Am I Jared? You're Jared. Yeah. Okay. Bye. Confused. She has some